Well, good evening, church, and uh, welcome back to our Thursday evening midweek gatherings here at Three Circle Church. Um, and uh, wherever you are, if you're watching our, our gathering here tonight, we just want to welcome you. And, and I'm so glad that you're, you're watching, that you're tuning in. And uh, we hope that you have enjoyed these Thursday night midweek gatherings um, as we've gathered together to worship together, to, uh, to study God's Word together. It's been just such a rich time as, uh, as we've gathered together online for our midweek gathering. And I'm so glad uh, that we have decided to, to make the summer study this summer on the book of Philippians. That's, the book of Philippians is probably one of my favorite books of the Bible, uh, right up there with, uh, with Ephesians and the Gospels. Um, and the reason that Philippians is one of my absolute favorites in the Bible is because the theme of Philippians is all about joy. The, the focus and the theme of Philippians is that of joy. There's several times in the book of Philippians where the Apostle Paul writes and he says, Rejoice, right? In, in chapter 3, verse 1, and then again in chapter 4, uh, verse 4, he, he, he says, Rejoice in the Lord. And, and then in chapter 4, verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say to you, Rejoice. So, so Paul just uh, repeats himself over and over again by reminding the Philippians and reminding us that as we follow Jesus together, we can follow him with joy. And think about how relevant that message is, especially today, the message of joy. In this, this summer of 2020, with, with a, a global pandemic of COVID-19 that, that we're facing as the world. And think about just the protest and the riots and the violence that's going on that we've watched on the news that's going on in our streets. And the, think about the, 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 the racial unrest and, and the civil unrest that, that we're seeing with with uh, stuff that's going on in our streets and then with politics. This is election year, and, and my goodness, we could go on and on and on about all the stuff that we're seeing in the world around us today. And so, church, we, we need this message of joy like never before, that as followers of Jesus, knowing and following Jesus, that we can do that, that regardless of what's happening around us, right, that we can live with this deep, uh, wonderful, amazing joy uh, as we follow Jesus together. That's the message of Philippians. So now as Paul begins to, we're kind of getting towards the, the end of the book, right? We're in, we're in chapter 4 already. And so as, as we kind of get towards the end of this book, as, as Paul begins to wrap up and conclude this letter on joyful living, he has a little bit more to teach us that we want to look together at tonight. He has a little bit more to teach us before he concludes this letter to the Philippians. So tonight, if you have a Bible, I want you to take your Bible and join with me in reading. We're going to look together tonight at Philippians 4 
8 and 9. Philippians 4, 8 and 9. And if you don't have your Bible, that's okay. It's going to be right there on the screen for you. So let's look at Philippians 4, 8 and 9. And this is what it says. So now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Would you pray with me? So, Lord Jesus, as we, as we dig into your word tonight, uh, thank you so much for giving us this incredible book, this letter that Paul wrote so long ago to, to the, the Philippian church. And as we study together tonight, would you open your word to us by your Holy Spirit and teach us and show us the things that you want us to see and put into practice from your word together tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And so as Paul begins to wrap up and, and uh, conclude his letter to the Philippians, as he begins to put this bow, you know, wraps it all up and kind of puts this bow on, on his letter, he gives us two last important, what I want to call guardrails for joyful living. Because again, joy is the theme of this letter. So he gives us these, what I'm calling two, he gives us these two guardrails for joyful living. And we see the first guardrail there in verse 8, where again, Paul wrote and he said, Now, dear brothers and sisters, by the way, I'm reading from the, the New Living Translation. So it says this, and, and, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. I've got something else to tell you. I've got something else to teach you here. So one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So we see this, this first guardrail here in verse 8. And what is Paul telling us here? What is Paul saying to us here? Simply this. Write this down if you're taking notes. Hope, you are, hope that you are. Write this down. He says, be careful. He's telling us, be careful with what you think. Be careful with what you think. Paul's telling us to be careful with your thoughts, what you allow up here in, in your mind, so that the focus of our thoughts is to be on what is good and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. And if we had time together tonight, that we don't, but if we had time, we could dig a little bit deeper into the meaning of each of those words, each of those adjectives. But the meaning is clear enough, right, church? The meaning is so crystal clear here to us. Paul is simply telling us through, through this message here, through this verse, that the object of our thinking, the object of our thoughts need to be on Good things need to be on things that are good and holy and pure and true and lovely and honorable and admirable. I love how this translation, the New Living Translation that I'm using here says in this verse, fix your thoughts on those things. Other translations may use the word meditate. Maybe your translation uses that word, meditate, on these things. But the meaning is exactly the same. Paul is telling us here that we need to have this guardrail in place, right? This discipline in place that will keep, that will guard our mind and thoughts and keep our minds and thoughts focused 
only on those things that are holy and good and pure and true. Because here's the issue. Here's, here's the problem. That doesn't happen all the time, right? I mean, just being honest with ourselves, that doesn't happen all the time. In fact, many times we find our thoughts and our minds being drawn away and being polluted, being drawn to the opposite, in fact, the opposite of those things, the opposite of what is good and true and holy and, and pure. We've all had that experience, right, where, where we're just living life and doing our thing during the day, and then this thought comes to mind, and we think to ourselves, holy cow, where did that come from? What is, what's that all about because of what comes to mind? And so I struggle with that, and so do you. And so we have to be careful. Paul is just giving us this guardrail. We have to be careful with what we think. And and let me just give you two takeaways from that, two two takeaways from verse 8 that I hope that you'll you'll write down and take to heart. The first takeaway is this, simply this, that you are responsible for what you think, right? You are responsible for what you think. You see, you and I might not be able to control what enters our thoughts because, again, we have, we've all had that experience of a thought coming to mind and think, oh, man, where did, where did that come from? What's, what's that all about? And so you and I might not be able to control what enters our thoughts, but we can control what we allow to stay there. Think of it like this. Let me give you an, an, an illustration. Let me give you an example. Think of your thoughts like a garden, right? Like a garden. Over the years, I've, I've enjoyed having a garden. I uh, don't have one now because we just don't have enough room on our property to have a, a garden. But, but uh, several years ago, we had, in our previous house, we had an acre of land um, that we lived on. And so there was plenty of room for a garden. And, um, I, you know, I, I just enjoyed having a garden and getting out and working in the garden. And part of the reason that I enjoyed having a garden is because I enjoyed this. I enjoyed what comes out of the garden. Enjoyed, uh, I enjoy things like silver queen corn and yellow neck, crook neck squash and tomatoes. Well, not so much tomatoes, but, but they're still good. They're still good. They're okay. So, so I enjoy these things that come out of the garden, the corn, the squash, the tomatoes, cucumbers, uh, zipper cream peas. We would also grow those as well because we love them so much. So we enjoy what comes out of the garden. But I learned real fast something real quick that's so important in gardening. And that is, that's this, that in gardening, to have this to have the corn and the squash and the tomatoes and the other vegetables that come out of the garden, to have this, to have a healthy garden, you have to take care of the weeds. You have to take care of the weeds. And in every garden, I can promise you this, those of you who've, who enjoy gardening, you know this to be true. In every garden, I can promise you this, there are going to be the weeds, no matter what you do. No matter what you spray, you know, no matter what herbicide you may spray down or no matter how much mulch you, you may use, there are always going to be the weeds. 
um, no matter what you do, because the weeds are right there, the seed of the weeds are right there in the soil. And so no matter what you do, you're going to have weeds in, in the garden. And to have a healthy garden, you've got you've to be pulling the weeds. You've got to be constantly pulling the weeds because if you're not pulling the weeds, guess what's going to happen? Those of you who, who have gardened before, you know what's going to happen, right? The, the weeds overtake the garden. The weeds begin to grow and eventually choke out the good stuff that we want to see grow in the garden and come out of the garden. Well, this, listen, the same is true, church, for our thoughts. You've got to be getting rid of the weeds of your mind, of thoughts. You've got to be getting rid of the weeds of anger and envy and greed and lust and fear and a dozen other things, a dozen, dozen other kind of weeds that come to mind. And you've got to be replacing them. You've got to be pulling those weeds out and you've got to be replacing them with what we see here in Philippians 4, 8. Those things that are good and holy and pure and true and lovely and admirable and honorable. Because again, you and I are responsible for what we think. No one can do that for you. No one can, can guard your mind for you. No one can, can be pulling the weeds you know, for you, that's something you and I, we've got to do for ourselves. Um, so you and I are responsible for what we think. The second takeaway that I want you to write down tonight is this. You are what you think. You are what you think. That's why this is so important. That's why Paul is giving us this guardrail here in Philippians 4.8. That's why this is so very important. It's because you are what you think. One translation, for example, of Proverbs 23.7 in the New King James Version and translation, it says this, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Which means that what you allow up here in your mind, what you allow, what you and I allow up here in our thoughts on the inside, eventually reveals itself on the outside. It eventually comes out. So if you want to change what's on the outside, guess what you and I have got to do? We've got to, we've got to change with what's on the inside. We've got to start with what's on the inside. I recently heard it put this way by Louis Giglio, the pastor at Passion City Church in Atlanta, Georgia. In a recent message he preached on, on thoughts, he, he said this, he said, changing your life doesn't start with doing something different. It starts with thinking something different. And wow, that's true, isn't it? It doesn't start, changing your life doesn't start with doing something different. It starts with thinking something different. And that's exactly, church, that's exactly why the Apostle Paul, over in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says this. He wrote and said, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. For this is the, truly the, the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. In other words, don't be conformed. In other translations, it says, don't be conformed to this world. But Paul goes on to say, but let God transform you, be transformed. Let God transform you into a new person. Here it is, by changing the way you think. 
Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, what Paul is telling us there and here is that if you want to change your life, it starts with changing your mind. It starts with changing your thoughts. It starts with with renewing, not being conformed to this world, but being transformed. How? With renewing your mind and fixing your thoughts only on those things, as Paul tells us here, those things that are good and holy and true and pure and of good report. And notice this, if you haven't already. Notice this, that Paul doesn't give us the specifics of what he had in mind, does he? He doesn't like map out and describe the things that he has in mind here, the things that are good and holy and pure and true and, and right and lovely. He doesn't give us the specifics of what he had in mind. But I can tell you this, that the, the apex, the, the mountaintop, the, the Mount Everest of everything that is good and true and honorable and right and pure and lovely is God himself. It's it's God he's describing. God is all those things, right? God is all those things and more. I I mean, just think about who God is and how great he is. That's what Paul is describing here. So we're, we, we can think deeply and we should think deeply about God and think deeply about the things that God has provided for us and given to us, especially in the gospel, especially in Jesus. How often do you think about the gospel? How often do you, do you just ponder and contemplate and meditate on, on all that we have in the gospel, all that, that God the Father has given to us in his Son when Jesus went to that cross and he, and, he, and he stretched out his arms and he died there on the cross and he nailed our sins there on the cross in his body. And he laid down his life for us. That's the gospel. That he paid the price I could never pay. He paid the price for my sin and your sin. That's the gospel. And here at Three Circle Church, as you already know, we're all about the gospel. We are gospel-driven, gospel-centered, gospel-focused here at Three Circle because that's who God is. And that's what he's done for us. And so we can think deeply about God and and who he is and what he's done for us. And then we're to think about the things of God that that God has given us in his word. And that's one reason why knowing this book is so important, why, why knowing what's in this book is so important by spending. It's why it's so important to be spending time in his word because it guards our thoughts. It does that. But the Bible also guides our thoughts to those things that are good and true and pure and lovely and holy. So again, verse 8 is all about, Philippians 4, 8 is all about being careful with what we think. That's guardrail number one. And that brings us to the second guardrail that Paul gives us in this passage, and that's the guardrail, and we want you to write this down as well. This this is the guardrail of being careful with who you follow and imitate. Be careful with who you follow and imitate. In verse 9, again, Paul said this. He said, keep putting into practice. All you have learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. 
as, as you already know from, from uh, this study, that Paul had planted the church there in Philippi. And we know from reading the book of Acts that he had visited the church there at Philippi at least once more, perhaps more than once. And so Paul has spent time there with these, these Philippian Christians, new believers. They, they had done life together. Paul and these believers, they had rubbed shoulders together and they had done life together and they had seen his example. They had not only heard from him, but they, they also saw his example of, of doing life together with, with them. And so he's reminding them here in this verse, he's reminding them of what they had seen and heard from him. He was their example of following Jesus. Paul said the same thing, in fact, to the Corinthians as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul there said, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. In other words, Paul is saying to the Corinthians there, 1 Corinthians 11, he said, follow me just as I follow Christ. Imitate me just as I imitate Christ. And that's strong, isn't it? That's something really bold and strong to say. And if you say that, you better back it up. And Paul did. He backed it up because Paul understood, just as we need to understand today, the power of example. And that means two things for us today. Two more takeaways that, that I want to give you from, from verse 9. First of all, write this down. All of us, all of us need an example to follow, right? All of us need an example to follow, just like the Philippians needed Paul. You and I today, as we seek to, to grow in our faith, we need examples to follow and imitate. Of course, all of us are following Jesus, right? That's, that's the most important thing that we can do, first and foremost, above all things. We're called to follow Jesus. In fact, that's what it means, in my humble opinion, you know, that's what it means to, to be a disciple. My, my definition of being a disciple of Jesus is someone who, through faith and repentance, follows Jesus, is following Jesus in order to become more like Jesus. That, that's what it means, simply means to be a disciple of Jesus. It's somebody who is following Jesus in order to become more like Jesus. So first and foremost, we follow him. First and foremost, we're, we're just, just following along wherever Jesus is leading, wherever, wherever Jesus is taking us, we're just following him. But we also need flesh and blood examples around us who may not be perfect and who won't be perfect because there was only one who was perfect, and that's Jesus. So who may not be perfect, but who are, as an example, someone worth following who are a little older, a little wiser, and a little bit more seasoned, maybe if I could use that term, a little bit more seasoned than we are, that we can imitate and follow. We need people like that in our lives. A little bit older, a little bit wiser, a little bit more seasoned than we are, that we can look to to say, oh, wow, and they've got it all together. It looks like, man, they, they, they love Jesus well. They love their family well. You know, they're, they're, they're following Jesus well. They're living life well. And I want to be like him. I want to be like her. We all need people like that in our lives. For me, I've had, I've had the blessing of having several guys in my life that I've followed and, and tried to be like over the course of time. But most recently here at Three Circle, 
one of the guys that has been a personal example to me has been Jerry Roberts, one of our, our elders in our church. And um, Jerry's been just one of those guys. He's, he's older than I am. He's certainly a lot wiser than I am, more seasoned than I am. And over the years, I, I've just been watching Jerry and at times we've sat down together over breakfast and I've asked him questions about how you, how you do this or how you do that. How, how do you handle these situations? And we've done mission trips together. And, and so over the years, I've just had the blessing of being able to, to just rub shoulders with Jerry Roberts. And um, Jerry, if you're watching tonight, man, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you and love you and, and see you as an example of what real faith looks like and what it really looks like to follow Jesus. And so I appreciate you. Another, another guy in our church has been an example to me over the years has been Russell Creel. Again, a little bit older, just a little bit, a whole lot wiser than I am, more seasoned. And over the years, I've learned so much from Pastor Russell and, and here at the church and leading the church and and leading his family well. And so I've gained so much just from watching his example and, and trying to be more like him. And, and then, of course, is Pastor Chris, Chris Bell. And um, Chris is younger than I am, a lot younger, in fact, um, but a whole lot wiser. And over these last eight years here at Three Circle Church that, that Pastor Chris has been here leading us, I've learned so much about just watching him and learning from him so much about what godly, strong, biblical leadership looks like. In fact, I've told that to him, that over these last eight years, I've learned more from Pastor Chris over these last eight years than, than all the years combined before that. And so these are guys that, that I've learned from, guys that, that I've looked up to and, and followed um, as examples of what it means to be a godly leader, and someone who's following Jesus well. And so all of us need examples to follow and learn from. Just as the Philippians had Paul, all of us here today, we need examples to follow and learn from as well. And then the second takeaway here that I want to give you, write this down. All of us need to be an example to follow. Right? All of us need to be an example to follow because whether you know it or not, guess what? Someone is following you. Whether you realize it or not, someone is following you. Someone is watching you. Mom and dad, it's going to be your kids. It's going to be your children. They're following you. They're looking at you as their example. It might be someone at work someone that you work with that are watching you, they're, they're watching you, they're, they're listening to what you say, and uh, they're following you and looking to you as an example. Students, it may be other students at your school that are watching you, watching the things that you say and do there at school, in your community, in your, in your neighborhood, in your circle of friends. They're, they're watching you, especially if you claim to be a believer and and, and you come here to Three Circle Church, they're watching you 
as an example, or it might be the neighbor next door, right? The, 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 the person next door that lives next door to you that are, that are listening to the things you say and watching the things you do, and you, whether you know it or not, you're an example to them. And in what we see in Paul here, all of us need to be, as we follow Jesus together, all of us need to be an example worth following that can say right along with the Apostle Paul, as strong as that was, so that we can say right along with him, watch this, so that we can say right along with Paul, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. The things you've heard and seen in me, put those same things into practice. We need to be those kind of examples to those in our family, our friends, our co-workers, students at school, We need to be able to say along with the Apostle Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. In closing, as I wrap up this teaching tonight, in closing, again, be simply be careful. Paul is telling us, be careful with what you think. Be be careful about making sure you're pulling those weeds out, right? Be careful with what you think. Fix your thoughts on those things that are good and holy and pure and true and lovely and admirable and honorable. And then be careful with who you follow. Be careful with who you imitate. And as you do, may you be filled with the overflowing, deep, deep joy of knowing and following Jesus together. Would you pray with me? So Lord Jesus, um, again, we thank you for this incredible letter that you've given to us in Philippians. We thank you for your servant, Paul, who wrote these words so long ago, who wrote to the Philippians, but he also wrote to us. And we thank you for the gift of your word that just reminds us of being careful about what we think and being careful about who we follow and imitate. And and Lord, I pray that as we do that, that you would guide us, that you would direct us, that you would help us guard our thoughts and our minds. And, And God, that we would be careful about who we follow, who we imitate. That Jesus, that through all of that, that that yes, we would be able to live with joy, but, but even beyond that, that Jesus, we would be able to point others to you. That through the, the life that we live, that we would be always constantly pointing others to you and to this incredible good news that we have in you, in the gospel. Thank you, Jesus. And we pray it all and ask it all in your good name. Amen.